We're going to continue in this same spirit because I feel like the Lord has a word for this place right now during this time. I'm not going to be before you before long, but stick with me. Stick with the Lord right now in this place. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you for what you've done here already today and what you will continue to do in the very hearts and minds of your people. Let your word be established now and forever. Help us to be hearers and doers of your word. Help me, Lord, to be nothing more and nothing less than a vessel for you. In Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. For the remainder of our time together, I want to preach to you this. More than just driven. More than just driven. Paul here in Romans 12 addresses the church in Rome boldly to present themselves a living sacrifice. To be alive to do the work that God has called them to do. If you know a little or a lot about Rome at this time, it wasn't a great place to be. There were some terrible things happening there, but there was a church. There was a church rising up in the midst of the mess. It was no mistake that God had called, called Paul there. For Paul, this was, more, this was more than just another journey, although Paul never thought of any of his ministry journeys as such, but it was a time to revive the people. <clears throat> the church of Rome was beginning to dwindle. They were seemingly growing weak, perhaps even dying. So Paul was sent to encourage the Romans through correction, instruction, and conviction. He was sent to remind the Romans not who they once were, but who they are and who they can be in Christ and how they can find newness in Christ and Christ alone. <laughs> From the very get-go of what we read is chapter 12 before Paul exhorts what changes need to happen, he says, by the mercies of God. The term mercy here used is grace undeserved, although always provided. Paul, who is speaking from his own experience, testifies while giving instruction that it's only by the mercy of God that those who read this letter that they are here today. It's only by his mercy. And if you recall, Paul, before he was called by God, was a man who had the drive of ten men and the power of many more who was driven to do what he could to stop the spread of Christianity. He actively pursued those who believed and followed Christ to the point of holding the garments while Stephen was being stoned. He heard of those great miracles that were taking place, revivals that were happening, people being saved in Jesus' name. This further stirred up the absolute hate in his heart for the people he was pursuing. It further fueled his drive. 
But little did he know the transformation that would take place for him, and I love talking about this part, in his pursuit toward Damascus and the people of God to persecute more, something changed. Something shifted within Paul. When God got a hold of Paul and never let go, Paul went from a driven man to a called man. Oh, church, and when I look over this congregation that sits and stands before me, I see a room full of people who were once driven but are now called. Many have realized, and some are on their way to realizing. Amen? God has a calling on each of your lives. He has a purpose for each of your lives. He has a plan for each of your lives. The transformation that took place within Paul was so very powerful in that it changed the very course of his life forever. In an excerpt from a book titled Ordering Your Private World by Gordon MacDonald, MacDonald writes, Paul was driven until Christ called him. One gets the feeling that when Paul fell to his knees before the Lord while on the road to Damascus, there was an explosion of relief within his private world. What a change from the drivenness that had pushed him toward Damascus in an attempt to stamp out Christianity to that dramatic moment when, in complete submission, he asked Jesus Christ, what shall I do, Lord? A driven man was converted into a called one. Yeah. And church, this transformation, you know this, it's not just one that Paul can experience, for many others have and will continue to, amen? Jesus wants everybody to be more than just driven. When you present your bodies a living sacrifice, this is an offering to God, and as you study the word sacrifice, it is that which is prescribed by God, which is why the Lord accepts the sacrifice, because it's offered on His terms. That is the only way, church. There is no other Elder Kennedy, it's what you mentioned to me the other day from 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul is talking about love. 1 Corinthians 13, 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass, or a tinkling cymbal. While these instruments may sound nice, look nice, etc., they are just mere noise. They are just sounds bouncing off the walls and into your ears. They must be filled backed and surrounded with love. And I sometimes joke around with people who say, we need more cowbell. You know who you are. Because I am of the belief that 99.5% of the time, they are just unnecessary or extra. Some of you may agree or disagree. <laughs> Anyways, I'll move on. I, I, I lost a few of you there. Uh, so that, that could have been because I used to stand so close to the drum set back here while playing the bass that every time they would hit that cowbell, I would cringe. Oh, that's so loud. Why? What, what, is that necessary? I didn't think so. But, but who knows? We, when we offer ourselves to God, acceptable in His eyes, there is nothing outside of that. There is nothing left outside of that. When you are called, there's purpose. Therefore, that calling is not empty, for it's filled with the purpose that He's given you. Amen? And the fact that it must be living must, means that I must be alive. I have to be breathing. Not to sound crude, but God can't use a dead sacrifice. He desires to use everything, all of me. If we are not all in, and only part of us is alive, oh hear me church, then what is holding back the rest of us from being all in? It got pretty quiet there. That's all right. 
There are moments when one can choose to do something outside of the will of God, and maybe they choose to take that route. Notice I use the word choose. But it's at that moment of realization comes, as Pastor Lucas alluded to on Wednesday night, that when we come back to the Father praying, asking forgiveness, being honest with God, making your way back to complete devotion and dedication to God is a major part of this sacrifice. And two, it's a part of being holy and acceptable unto God. Oh, and then Paul in his wisdom and understanding basically says, this is reasonable. This is what it needs to be. It's reasonable. Further stating that it's not unreasonable to give your everything to the work of the kingdom. And remember, the work of the kingdom is not confined to some building. For you take this with you, or at least I hope you do, outside of these four walls, take it with you to the streets, your jobs, your schools, your neighborhoods, being not conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's right, you heard it. There is renewal in the sacrifice that we give to Him. When we are obedient to His Word, our devotion will develop. As our devotion develops, our sacrifice for His kingdom will follow. Those who are more than just driven will find renewal. Why? Because they are called by God. How many of you could use some renewal in your life? Hmm. Maybe you've been struggling with someone close to you. Maybe you've had it out for an insurance company who's not giving you an answer that you expect. Maybe, just maybe, <laughs> you've been, sorry, you've been interceding for someone no matter how long, and it still hasn't come to pass. Well, church, if that's you, you can find renewal in this place. And I believe some of us, if not all of us, have found renewal already in this place. Hallelujah. I'm not finished yet, but there's renewal in His presence. Putting everything else aside and drawing closer to Him. Amen. This renewal is one that comes in will come in handy, especially in the days that we're in. The Lord is ever closer than before to return again. And the world, although it may look bad, we can expect to see far worse. We here may even experience far worse, but hear me. Understand that this renewal does not come from anything physical, although, yes, we need to take care of our bodies. But it's a spiritual renewal. For God is spirit, and they that worship Him, worship Him in spirit and truth. Renewal comes through our worship and praise. <laughs> Renewal comes through our prayer and our fasting. Renewal comes through those tears that you cry in anguish and despair. Renewal comes when you are at your wit's end and you just say, Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah. Weariness is a real thing. It happens. People get tired. They get weary. Weariness is not a sin. And church, before you go looking around you at the potential of someone else who you think is weary, being weary is not a sin. Bishop, do you ever get weary? Have you ever felt like you just can't go on any longer? Now, I'm not trying to put you on a pedestal here, Bishop, but, but if our bishop can grow weary, how much more is it a good chance that you and I can or have been weary? 
Bishop leads the Church of Omaha in our district. I know that he has a lot on his plate. And sometimes I can imagine that he needs to take time to rest. In fact, he does, and I, and I, I, I thank him for that, and that's okay. Can I tell someone that weariness is not a respecter of persons? If, if, if it affects Bishop just as much as it affects you and vice versa, amen? It's been a few weeks now, but remember the message Pastor Jeremy preached about being called to connect and his great visual of the lamp singing, This Little Light of Mine. He said that we may have that light, but if we are not plugged into the source, the light will not shine. We will not grow. We will be dim. This is why it is ever so important that in your calling, in the fact that you are called according to God's Word, that you must find rest. Oh church, the conforming to this world is messy. A person can be so driven, so driven, so driven, but when they just keep going and going and going, kind of like the Energizer Bunny, they keep going and going and going and never find rest, hear me, they will get weary. It's in those weary moments where rest is key. One can be so driven that they never find time to rest. If they never find the time to refuel themselves and all they do is expend and give to others, yet they do not take care of their own needs, they will get burnt out. I know. I'm a firm believer that God is my provider. He has provided for me before and He continues to do. So thank you, Jesus. But hear me, church, in order for me to receive it, I have to walk in it. When I get tired at night, do I force myself to stay awake, Tabby? Mm -mm. No, I fall asleep pretty much wherever I'm at. Or I find a little corner and I curl up and I go to sleep. It doesn't matter. Just hopefully I'm not driving at that time. Because that's happened before too. I get tired and I'm just there's nothing keeping me awake, okay? Um, if you are passionate about something, there's something you must understand. And if I may take a little bit of liberty for just a moment. Anyone ever wish for more hours in a day? Anyone ever wish for more hours in a day? All right. <laughs> if I could change one thing about the world and creation, hear me, it would be to give me about 12 more hours every day. And the church said amen. But since I am not the creator of the universe, and I was created by him, there is an element to this 24-hour daily time period that I have to take into account for myself. Now listen, I'm not saying you have to put your calling on the back burner. Hear me. For it's not something that you can just put on and take off. It is intertwined with everything that you do. And I can confidently say that a major part of that calling is understanding where you are at in life and how God can use you where you are at. With the work that lies ahead for the church in these last days, oh, there must be a personal heed to our limitations. If we exceed that, it will be more sorrowful than if we don't. I'm not saying not to give your all. I'm not saying don't give your all to Jesus because we should. But there's also these other elements that I'm talking to you about now like rest and growing weary. Um, as I was praying and preparing for this time, I could not get my mind off of rest and how crucial it is. To be more than just driven, to be called has requirements. Remember, to whom much is given, much is? Say that again. Required. Thank you. Understanding of where we are at 
is, is right there with these requirements. Understanding that where we are at in our walks with God is right there with these. The called person should understand that with these requirements and asking more of us, that we take into account all of that while not expending ourselves to the point that we are just doing things to do them. Remember the, the tinkling brass and the tinkling cymbal or the whatever, yeah. So this can breed a feeling of frustration and resentment. Help me, Jesus. Does anyone in here get angry? I'm asking a lot of questions today. I'm looking for some engagement here. Does anybody in here ever get angry? All right. I was joking around with uh, Pastor Jeremy the other day about engaging the crowd and how there have been times where I've asked a question uh, for the congregation and I didn't see anybody raise their hand, but it was a question like, does anybody look at a mirror? Anybody remember me asking that question a couple weeks ago? And there were like two people that raised their hands. I'm like, wow, is it wrong of me to look in the mirror? I kind of thought to myself, I'm like, man, what, am I doing something wrong here? <laughs> but, um, but when I ask this question and you, you raise your hand, before, again, you look around you, look right up here, because this guy does too. Anger is something that is a part of life for some, if not all. Otherwise, the Word wouldn't talk about it. But church, the difference is in how a person handles those situations that arise is whether or not they really know Jesus. Now, I know I may be stepping on some toes, and we are all works in progress here. Amen? Jesus will not necessarily remove you from a situation that makes you angry. For if he did, there would be no way to learn from that. There would be little growth that takes place. But he keeps you in that situation in hopes of your outlook on the situation changing. There was a time not long ago that I experienced this amongst a few other times, but there was a situation going on at my job, some of you know about that, where I was at my wit's end. <laughs> Everyone around me, those that were close to me, noticed something had changed in me. They noticed that something was wrong. Can I tell you, it's good to have someone in your life that who can notice these changes that take place, and you need to receive that in Jesus' name. Anyways, I, I had really had enough. I wasn't going to give up, for that's not really who I am. But, but the frustrations and anger were rising up in me. My wife, bless her heart, would ask me how my day went that day, and... Sometimes I would say, it went fine, and other days I would just let her have it. Thank you, honey. Now, now <laughs> there came a day where I said, Lord, if you really want me here, then I really need you to make this change. And guess what? The change didn't come. God was molding me. Well, I, I say the change didn't come, but the change that I was expecting didn't come because God was molding me. Rather than choosing to get frustrated, God was leading me down a road of change, and He would bless it. And that is just what happened. The change happened in me. And guess what? The things that once frustrated me no longer do that. Why? Because I made that change. The person who is driven while having the best intentions at times would not take the time to work through that which upset them, but rather would continue to let it boil up. But the person who's called by God, oh, they would allow the forming and molding within the hands of God to continue in their life. Hallelujah. I bring that all back to say that whatever situation you may be going through, to keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your heart fixed on Him. Now, whenever you hear someone say, just like I said, to be this statement of keeping your eyes on Jesus, you know there's a lot of truth in that. 
right? Because if we're going to focus on the things around us, it, it just doesn't work. You all, you all know what I'm talking about, right? If you think of such, you know, and if you think that keeping your eyes on Jesus is not important, I would ask you, have you tried it? Have you, have you tried it yourself? Have you put that to the test? Some people will choose to heed to that and others will not. Where are you today? <clears throat> Amen. Our mission here at the Church of Omaha is connect, grow, serve, and lead. CGSL. And at the very top of that is lead. When I think of leading by example, I often think of men in the Bible. And the first one that came to my mind is Moses. I love reading about Moses and all the things that he went through. Because I'm like, man, I thought I had it bad. Yeah, anyways, but, but when I think, <laughs> Moses led a lot of people out of physical bondage and his desire being led by God was to set them free spiritually. In the accounts that we read of their deliverance, there grew in the midst of the Israelites those who would doubt Moses, those who would scoff at Moses. <laughs> but Moses doubted his own leadership. Let me put that, this personal doubt into perspective. Five days out of the week, unless I'm on vacation, I go to work, I get there, I sit at my desk, my fingers hit the keyboard, and I'm off to the races. My mind is going literally a million miles an hour in every single direction. My boss walks into my office and says, Trev, I don't know how you do it. I say, well, kind of like this. I just keep going. Otherwise, I don't, I don't stay up. I don't keep going. Sometimes, you know, I'll be kind of sarcastic and say that. But, but there are times, church, when I get a visit from a coworker. They'll walk into my office. They'll begin to tell me of all their troubles. I know some of you have had this experience yourself. They begin to break down and explain how they are struggling, and they say things like, you're the only person I feel like I can talk to. But get this. These same people have told me you can have your church stuff. I don't want anything to do with that. But do you think I'm just going to run away just because they don't believe what I believe? You better believe I won't. Hear me, church. The people who are around you may not agree with what you believe, but even they will notice a difference in you. Why? Because you are called. God has placed His hand on your life. God has placed you in the midst of unbelievers. Oh, church, He has called you to greater. He has called you for more. What He has planned for your life has been made evident. And when you begin to doubt your calling, just look around you. Look at your sphere of influence. Look at those who are closest to you and the impact that you have had on them. My wife and I recently went out on a date to a really nice steakhouse. And let me tell you, that, that, that was probably some of the best steak I have ever had. Right, Tabby? I mean, it was just phenomenal. But, but even better than this top-notch steak, I believe and later understood that God ordained that very time to go to that restaurant on that night. Why? Well, we get to the restaurant, we order our food, we indulge in our food. I'm telling Tabby, man, Tabby, this is the best steak I've ever had. I, we got to come here again, and not anytime soon, but we're going to go there sometime again. But <laughs> So we get the bill after it's all said and done, and we're looking forward to giving this waitress a really great tip. You know, she deserved it. It was some of the best service that we've ever had. Just an all-around great experience. We get our bill, we pay with a gift card that we were given, plus a wonderful coupon, and we put our credit card in there too, just in case there's some left over and, you know, it doesn't cover quite all of it. We get the little black folder back, uh, and the waitress tells us that our card did not need to be used. And my heart sunk. I said, oh no, this didn't quite go as planned. 
<laughs> so we opened the black folder only to realize there was still 90 cents left on the gift card. <laughs> and we didn't bring any cash to pay a tip. I know, rookie mistake. So we sit there and think quickly because the waitress scurried off in a very disappointed manner. She didn't think we were going to leave a tip. You know, I didn't really feel like we belonged in that restaurant, but we were there, right? So she's probably like, well, they're just not going to pay a tip. And I'm like, okay, we got to do something. We got we to think of something quick, right, Tab? You remember, remember us sitting there? And so we tried to call her back home. I'm like, hey, can we, can we order a dessert? She's like, well, yeah. So can we add it to this bill? She said no, and I'm, I'm thinking, my mind's kind of going a million miles an hour, thinking, oh, we gotta, we got to figure out how to pay this person a tip, right? I'm, I'm getting to the point here in just a second. So it, we, we, uh, um, we order this dessert, we bring it back, we, we pay her with a nice tip, and she comes up to us, she says, thank you. Thank you so much. I've had many people come into this restaurant and pay with these same, same ways that you're paying and leave without paying a tip. Now, we could have just left that evening, right, Tabby? We could have just left, you know, but, but she caught on, she thanked us over and over again. This conversation, this little conversation that we had about being thankful for, you know, making sure that she got something, this conversation turned into about a 15-minute conversation where my wife was able to connect with her. She began to talk about how, uh, the, the waitress began to talk about how she reads the Bible to her children, and I'm thinking, this is great. <laughs> then I ask, where do you go to church? To which she replies, I'm not really going to a church right now. My husband isn't a believer, and there's a lot of weird stuff happening at our church. So I just stopped going. There was an opportunity to invite her to our church. Amen. Now, I haven't seen her walk through the door yet, but I do believe that I will because of that conversation that we've had. But the point I'm trying to make with all of this, church, is God will bless you. He will appoint opportunities so long as you walk in the calling that you have been given. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, Faithful is he that calls you who also will do it. Hallelujah. Praise team, come on and make your way up here right now. Hallelujah. To be more than just driven is to be called by God and who he called you to be. Somebody say amen. It's, un it's to understand where rest is needed. Hear me. It's to understand that doubters won't understand. It's to realize that the fields are white and ready for harvest right in front of your very eyes. It's to realize that one plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. It's to realize that God is faithful in His calling on your life. That God puts you in places for His purpose. Amen. While being driven is good, there's purpose that is lacking. And as you stand all over this place, stand with me. Yeah, I just want to take the rest of this time together. And I want, I want each of us to ask God to show us that which is not all in. Do you desire to be all in? Do you desire to be all in for His kingdom? Do you desire to be all in for the work that He has planned for you in your life? Remember, church, this is a shift, not a season. <laughs> And in this shift, so I encourage you, come to the altar, give your all to Him, and ask God to reveal that which is not all in. <laughs> Go ahead and walk in that promise that He will surely 
do it. Hallelujah. He is faithful. He will endure until the end. We can walk in that endurance as well and endure until the end because faithful is He that called you. He will surely do it. Amen. Go ahead and walk in that calling right now. Go ahead and lift your hands and say, Lord, I desire to give my all to You. If there's something that's not there quite yet, please reveal that to me right now because my desire is to be nothing more than a vessel for You. Hallelujah. Go ahead, lift your hands all over this place as we end service right now. Hallelujah. Pray to Him. Seek His face. Seek His will for your life. Oh, hallelujah. We thank you Jesus we thank you Jesus for revealing these things to us oh God Lord we desire to be with you and to walk with you and to walk according to the calling that you've given us Lord Jesus hallelujah go ahead and pray to him right now hallelujah thank you Jesus